0: I got to be honest with you, it's been tough getting out of bed in the morning. Well, not really. I have toddlers, so they make sure I get up. But not having club football and a whole lot of other stuff going on in the weekend has freed me up to go for an eight-mile run, see the outdoors for the first time in a while on a weekend, or lots of other things like reconnecting with those very same toddlers that keep waking me up. Anyway, it's the international break. We've got an abbreviated podcast, and it's con- all coming up on the View from the Western Stand. Yes, Je t'aime, je t'aime. Allo, allo. je t'aime, je t'aime, allo, allo. Yes, je t'aime indeed if you're still listening, and thank you for doing it. Episode 4, Season 1, View from the Western Stand. I'm your host, Michael McGarry. Thanks for spending just a little bit of time with us. As I said in the in that overview, you might have been able to hear through all of the tiredness caused by the one child that's not sleeping. Um, but it's been uh, it's been a quiet weekend. It's been a quiet weekend in international sport. A lot of gearing up uh, still to do. We're looking forward to the resumption of. Uh, the European club season and, and other things in football. There was some cricket uh, uh, over the last week, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And we are also going to look ahead to the upcoming Rugby World Cup. I think that's going to be a super fun, uh, great competition over the next month and a half. That's getting started soon. We're going to look at that uh, on the, uh, a later portion of this show. But we did have a lot of football going on. It was of the international variety. Uh, some of the matches really did matter, some of them didn't, but we learned a lot. The ones that did matter, let's start there. So the European uh, Championship is next summer in France. Qualification is ongoing, and over the course of last week, uh, the rubber has really begun to hit the road for teams looking to qualify for the tournament, and a lot of them uh, were in action and have been in action and are still in action through today uh, with uh, stars all over Europe, aligning for some great football. Two matches I want to talk about in particular. I hope you got a chance to see them. The first uh, was back last Friday uh, at the uh, arena in Frankfurt, where Germany uh, went got past Poland three to one. Uh, I got a chance to sit down and watch this one, and if you were wondering whether Die Mannschaft had wavered at all in their commitment to being the best footballing side of the world side in the world. Since winning the World Cup in 2014, uh, you got those hopes uh, dashed. Germany showing great class and great quality and great skill in getting past a very good Polish team, I have to say, much more than, than just Robert Lewandowski, there was uh, a lot of a lot of class, a lot of talent on that Polish side, which also are looking to qualify, should qualify out of that group. Um, and I think will be a force to be reckoned with at next summer's tournament. Uh, nonetheless, Germany were able to outlast them three goals to one. They got the scoring uh, going early with Thomas Müller uh, scoring on 12 minutes, Mario Götze following up shortly thereafter on 19 minutes. Robert Lewandowski uh, did make it interesting in the first half. He scored on 37 minutes, and it was 2-1 to one Germany at halftime. But in the second half, it was a different half and much the same story. The Germans were able to play on the wing uh, with pretty much impunity, uh, added a late goal again from Mario Götze uh, and, and completing his brace on the, in the 82nd minute to get the 3-1 scoreline. Germany, however, were miles better than a very good Poland team uh, in, in this match. Kareem Bellarabi. Uh, on, on the left, paired with Götze up front, although Götze was beginning to look very tired and nearly was substituted shortly before his 82nd minute goal. Uh, those two players, along with with Müller and uh, and Hector uh, up top for for Germany, definitely uh, helped push the pace in the attack for a German side that was uh, <clears throat> that was in need of of a statement game coming in a point behind Poland in the standings. Uh, they were able to, to make that statement. They went on yesterday to beat Scotland, uh, in Scotland, three goals to two. Uh, James MacArthur for Crystal Palace scoring for Scotland in that game, but Germany with, uh, with too much uh, pressure and pace uh, for Scotland to handle. It's been a good week for the Germans, six points. From three games, six goals from uh sorry three points six points from two games, six goals from those same two games, uh been a good week for them really uh, upping their game as we as we roll towards uh the tournament, they are all but qualified uh for next summer's tangle in France and uh, should be should be a good side barring injuries between now and then but should be a side to watch as we go towards the European Championships. Uh, Germany showing no signs of uh, letting up uh, as as the best team in Europe and indeed the best team in the world. Uh, one other match, uh, in case you didn't get to see it, uh, England uh, blew out San Marino in San Marino, um, or at least in a home game for San Marino uh, at the weekend. And just, uh, just before this podcast went in the can, were able to win at Wembley as well getting past Switzerland, two goals to nil. England, a perfect 7-for-7, seven, for seven, seven uh, games, seven wins, 21 points in the group, qualifying already for uh, next summer's tournament. But the big news out of today's game, uh, Harry Kane did score, so he is uh, back in action. He also scored in San Marino as well, uh, but he uh, did uh, score in this more competitive fixture uh, at Wembley today. And then the, the biggest news on 84 Minutes, when Raheem Sterling was brought down in the box and a penalty was awarded to England, Wayne Rooney, England captain, stepped up and was able to convert that penalty for his 50th goal in an England shirt. Uh, an incredible achievement. He is the first player to reach that milestone and indeed now uh, passes Bobby Charlton as the all-time England goal, sto- uh, England goal scorer. Uh, narrowly edging out, it is, it is worth noting, own goals. Uh, there was some, some talk in, in the press and amongst football pundits that, that if Switzerland knew anything about humor, they'd back up to their own goal, shoot the, shoot the ball into the net, and uh, make sure that own goals reached 50 goals before Wayne Rooney did. But uh, they were more sporting than that. They were more competitive than that. And frankly, a Switzerland side that is much deeper than Jordan Shaqiri, uh, <clears throat> is is the side that I saw today at Wembley. Uh, and I think they'll be a force to contend with in, in, in the group stages and probably in the, uh, in the knockout rounds in the European Championships next summer as well. Uh, definitely gave England a good game for it, but uh, the hype surrounding uh, will he or won't he uh, finally uh, being put to bed as Wayne Rooney becomes the first 50-goal scorer in England history in 172 years of England history. Uh, those were the two far and away uh, matches of the weekend, going group by group. Uh, a big story right out of Group A, Iceland have qualified for the final tournament. They, they and the Czech Republic on 19 points, uh, sit seven points ahead of Turkey in Group A with two matches to play. So Iceland will be there for the very first time in the European Championships. Uh, the, the big story, apart from that out of Group A, is that the Netherlands sit in fourth Danny Blind uh, has taken over the reins and was not able to produce uh, a result uh, over the weekend. In fact, going down to rivals Turkey, who sit above them in the standings, three goals to nil. It has been rather a shocking uh, qualification tournament for the Netherlands. Again, a World Cup semi finalist under Louis van Gaal in 2014, uh, not able to put it together uh, for the European Championships. And if you listen to... Uh, the Guardians Football Weekly podcast. Uh, they brought on a guest from the Netherlands who was, able to, who was talking about the general malaise over the state of Dutch football right now. Goose Hiddink, um, the well-traveled international coach, was brought in uh, to take over from Van Hall when he left for Manchester United, was not able to right the ship. And one of the big issues that's come up is the fact that the Netherlands team is a lot of youngsters like Memphis Depay who aren't ready for international primetime play yet, coupled with aging superstars like Arjen Robin, who's hurt, Robin van Persie, who is past his prime, and Wesley Schneider, who hasn't played much competitive club football um, at Galatasaray. And so you you get that together, and it leaves Dutch football in a real state of disarray. It remains to be seen if they can qualify for the playoffs. The third-place team in all these groups will qualify for the playoffs. They're two points behind Turkey with two matches to go. If Turkey get four points, a win and a draw, they are safely through because they own the tiebreaker against the Netherlands. Uh, so it will remain to be seen how they'll be able to fare there. The Netherlands' final games, however, are against Kazakhstan, which should be uh, an easy three points. And the Czech Republic, who if they play a full squad, uh, may not be an easy uh, three points or even one point. So it will remain to be seen if the Netherlands can get through. Turkey can... Uh, will face Iceland, who have already qualified, uh, and the Czech Republic as well in uh, the tournament. So, uh, lots still to play for in Group A, though Iceland and the Czech Republic have already directly qualified. In Group B, the big story there is that Wales uh, sit atop the group, Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey powering uh, the Red Dragons into first place, sitting one point ahead of Belgium. Both of those teams have qualified at least for the playoffs, uh, but in all likelihood with Wales still having to play at Andorra, uh, that should be an easy three points. That should see them easily through into the final tournament. Uh, The the playoff spot is still wide open with Israel, Bosnia and Herzegovina and Cyprus fighting for that spot in Group B. Belgium, uh, the Red Devils, should also easily qualify uh, despite having to uh, go to Israel uh, in the next round uh, of, the, of the final round of qualification matches in October. Uh, similarly, in Group C, very few surprises. Uh, Spain and Slovakia atop the group in pole position. They've at least qualified for playoff rounds with Ukraine. Uh, and so of those three teams, uh, two of them will automatically qualify and one will either go on to the playoffs, or it could be in the case of Ukraine, they sit atop the nine-member third-place group, and that being the case, if they remain in that position, will automatically qualify as well on 16 points out of Group C. The aforementioned Germany uh, have qualified at least for the playoff round, but Group D is actually quite an interesting group. Scotland, two losses from two games, including a loss away to Georgia 1-0. They currently sit fourth, and uh, they cannot qualify directly as one of the top two teams. They could still qualify in third place. The Republic of Ireland currently sitting in third place in Group D. It's a, a tough road to hoe for Ireland. However, they do have to go to Germany. And Poland uh, are on the schedule in the October round. So it remains to be seen if the Republic are able to snag a couple of points there, stay ahead of Scotland, they're currently four points ahead, and possibly get into the playoffs or qualify directly for the tournament. England, as we mentioned, uh, qualifying, uh, I said seven points from seven games. It's eight points from eight games. Uh, I hadn't uh, factored in today's result just yet. So 24 points, rather, from eight games, eight wins on the trot in qualification for England. They are safely through. Switzerland, Slovenia, and Estonia are uh, the teams remaining four spots in Group E. Big surprise in Group F. A team that has not qualified in some time for an international tournament, but Northern Ireland... Uh, could very well be through. They've qualified at least for the playoff round at uh, the top spot in Group F on 17 points ahead of Romania and Hungary. Uh, Finland also in the, uh, in the conversation on 10 points. It's a bit harder road for Finland uh, to get through. One of the things that really helped Northern Ireland here is the complete and abject destruction of the Greek football team, uh, who are currently last in the group behind the Faroe Islands uh, Greece have three points. It's been a tough, um, it's been a tough few months for Greek football, both on the club and international side. The club side's obviously facing uh, action for uh, fan behavior at Panathinaikos and Olympiakos has not lent uh, an air of credence to what's happening at the international level either. And Greece uh, sit lowest in that group on three points, again, below the Pharaohs, who uh, have never um, managed to qualify for an international tournament, and won't this time, but at least will finish above, rather, uh, the bottom level of the group. Moving on, Group G, Austria uh, qualify with a win today. Uh, They sit atop Group G on 22 points. Russia and Sweden also there in second and third place. Montenegro on the outside looking in on 11 points in fourth Uh, The fight in Zlatans of Sweden, hopefully, uh, for them, with the easiest road, they go to Moldova. uh, And they go, I'm sorry, I'm just losing my notes. So they go to Moldova and Liechtenstein in the uh, October October round. So they should have the easiest road to qualification in Group G. Group H, Italy, Norway, Croatia. They'll fight it out for the top three spots. Italy, uh, three points ahead of uh, Croatia. In third place, Norway sandwiched in between Uh, Italy with two relatively unimpressive wins, uh, one no wins on uh, this qualification weekend. It remains to be seen who of of those three will have to go to the playoff, Uh, but Italy in the catbird seat for the automatic qualification out of Group H. And finally, Group I, it'll be Portland, Denmark, and Albania. Albania on 11 points. Uh, should qualify, at least, will qualify, rather, at least for the playoff. Should be interesting to see if they can qualify for the final tournament as well. The next round of matches is between the uh, 8th and 13th of October. Should be some great games there. And then following up, the third-place playoffs amongst the bottom eight third-place teams from the group stages will be held in November before uh, the draw around the turn of the year with the tournament next summer in between the club seasons. We will check back in on uh, how that's going when the time comes. In friendly action, uh, the only one really worth noting uh, is the U.S.'s 2-1 win at the Robert F. Kennedy Stadium in our nation's capital on Friday. Josie Altidore, the much-maligned 25-year-old striker turned Toronto FC goal-scoring machine, was able to add a brace to uh, safely guide the United States to victory despite being down uh, 1-0 at halftime in that game. Um, r- r- an interesting performance from the U.S. Brad Guzan did start in goal. It'll be interesting to see as we go into tonight whether Tim Howard gets uh, gets a start for the U.S. Um, but Guzan played well, had a great save in the second half to keep the scoreline 2-1. Uh, and again, Josie being able to put uh, two goals in didn't hurt either and certainly power them to victory. The big test comes tonight at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough when the United States take on Brazil. You can look at that match or watch it. I suppose we don't really look at television. That would be a bad thing to do. But you can watch that match um, on ESPN 2 from 5 o'clock this evening uh, and on the Watch ESPN app and elsewhere on the ESPN family of networks for sure. Uh, Let's take a look at Cricket. And what's been happening there, the Ashes One Day International Series uh, has uh, begun in, uh, in earnest in England. Australia did capture the first two matches, uh, both at the uh, Swalik Stadium in Cardiff and at Lords. Uh, Australia winning the, uh, the first match, or I'm sorry, the first match was at the Rose Bowl in Southampton, my mistake. Uh, but Australia winning the first match by 59 runs. Uh, and the second match by sixty four runs. England were able to win today in a day night match at Old Trafford in Manchester, setting England or setting Australia rather a target of three hundred one to win. Australia could only manage two hundred and seven runs all out in reply, and England won by ninety three runs. the uh, The rest of the ODI schedule, the final two, should be uh, relatively uh, fascinating matches to watch. It could be uh, some real interesting cricket going into uh, the seasonal flip when Southern Hemisphere teams go home uh, to their drier pitches and uh, we will see what the Northern Hemisphere teams like England will be able to do over their winter uh, down under. So should be an interesting look ahead at that with those matches coming up uh, throughout the rest of the week. Uh, one area I want to spend a little time talking about is looking ahead as well. We've got the Rugby World Cup starting uh, next week. It starts next Friday. It'll be mostly in England with a couple matches at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff as well. Uh, this should be a great tournament. Rugby has really grown uh, over the last decade or so into a truly global game, becoming more competitive, although as, this, as that competition comes uh, more to the fore, Obviously, we still have uh, a lot of power uh, teams in the the Six Nations and in the Rugby Championship in the Southern Hemisphere uh, who should be the guiding forces of the tournament. Nonetheless, for the first time, I think, really, in in Rugby World Cup history, you could see some upsets. You could see some uh, smaller teams trying to make it to the knockout round. It's uh, it's a tough place to be. It's 20 teams and uh, only eight make it on to the knockout stages Uh, so not a lot of room for error and not a lot of room for for teams to to make up lost points but nonetheless uh, should be some very interesting rugby should be some some great matches to watch and I'd encourage you to to watch them as best you can it's a little tough in the U.S. it is a pay-per-view package that you can get if you go to rugbyworldcup.com there however is also a Uh, a bar finder where they will be showing matches. I know here in the Bay Area, uh, matches will be uh, on at Keysar Pub and will be available online uh, through the pay-per-view package and uh, other places that you'll have to find on the dark net that I won't tell you about. Uh, But there there are ways, Uh, whether you're using uh, a VPN or whether you're uh, using Uh, peer-to-peer, none of which, of course, are officially recognized by the View from the Western Stand podcast. Nonetheless, uh, the Google is your friend. So let's take a look pool by pool at uh, how this uh, Rugby World Cup shapes up. As I said, it is uh, four pools of five teams each. uh, And Pool A has already been dubbed the Pool of Death. This is the one with three international powerhouse teams um, that, uh, that could come out of it and, uh, or or rather, that are packed into it, only two of which can emerge into the quarterfinals, with Australia, Wales, and England, all three um, renowned rugby powers joining Uruguay and Fiji uh, in pool play. Uh, The key matchup here is going to be Australia versus Wales, in my opinion, when they get together uh, in pool play. It it will certainly show whether or not Wales have the medal to, to move on, and it will be the last match for both of those teams coming on Saturday the 10th, and that match is at Twickenham in uh, in uh, suburban London. Uh, should be an absolutely fascinating game to watch. They should come in uh, almost paired on points, one would expect. Australia get to start slow. They have Fiji and Uruguay in their first two matches before taking on England on October 3rd at Twickenham and Wales uh, a week later. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see whether... Uh, Wales is able to outlast the Australian attack, which has become a lot more focused. Australia were able to win at home against New Zealand. They were able to beat uh, South Africa two matches on the trot in this year's rugby championship, really cementing their status as a world power, and I think should be uh, very competitive uh, in this tournament as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they do come out. I'm picking Australia and England to come out uh, in that order of pool play, but it would not be surprised if it were England and Wales or Australia and Wales. I think this is the one, this is the one area where uh, these, uh, these teams are very evenly matched and you could get some surprises. And don't sleep on Fiji. Uh, Fiji, a long-running uh, uh, rugby sort of second-tier nation, but always putting together a strong team. Um, and definitely a very bruising, very physical uh, team as well, with a lot of speed on the wings. Uh, it has be interesting to see if Fiji are able to um, are, are able to cause some headaches uh, somewhere in there for uh, for for one or a couple of these teams. So Pool A play should definitely be uh, on your radar screen. Pool B is a little bit more straightforward: uh, South Africa and Scotland, the power teams, joining Samoa. Japan, and the United States. Uh, Japan could cause some headaches uh, for Scotland, but realistically, South Africa should come out of this group despite um, Heineke Meyer, the uh, South African coach, naming a squad almost entirely over 30. The youth movement has not really taken hold in South African rugby. Uh, I, of course, am a big Springboks supporter, um, and my heart will truly be behind the Springboks in this tournament, but my head tells me that there isn't a lot of future for what should be Jean de Villiers' last tournament, possibly Skulk Burgers, um, and even the leadership of young players like Evan Etzebeth uh, will not be enough, uh, I think, to power South Africa beyond, realistically, the quarterfinals. I think they could get caught up, especially if Australia finished second in their group and South Africa finished first. That would be the matchup in the quarterfinal. And if South Africa have Australia... Uh, the two matches on the trot that Australia have really taken apart the South African attack and been able to blunt their their defensive approach as well. I don't think it would be uh, a winning proposition for, for South Africa against Australia, but that's why they play the games. Um, South Africa, nonetheless, should finish first in this group. Scotland will almost certainly finish second. Should be some great rugby to watch for the United States as well. They... Um, they get to play some of these world uh, power teams. They played Japan uh, in the Pacific Nations Cup over the summer in Samoa as well. Uh, so those teams are familiar to them. But uh, it'll be good to see the U.S. Eagles uh, going over to England um, and, and hopefully causing some ruckus for the more established teams. Um, Australia and the United States did play a warm-up friendly at, uh, at Soldier Field Chicago on Saturday where the United States were able to manage a try uh, in the first half uh, before Australia jumped out to an insurmountable lead. Uh, Nonetheless, being able to stay competitive in these matches is what uh, U.S. rugby is looking for in the 15-man version of the game. Uh, I think this helps grow the game in the United States as well. And for that, uh, obviously a game that I love and, and a game that, that I am partial to, having more exposure to that in the U.S. will be fantastic, especially as we look towards the Olympics next year, where the sevens version of the game, the 15-minute condensed version, seven, seven players aside, is going to be contested for the first time. The United States should have a very strong team um, made up of, of some of our, our college all-stars as well uh, going into that tournament so it should, be, um, it should be very fun to watch going into that. But nonetheless, the U.S. performance in, in the World Cup should set the stage for that. Pool C uh, is pretty nearly a walkover for uh, the All Blacks of New Zealand, but then this entire tournament could be a walkover. Uh, Richard McCaw's last competitive rugby, uh, coupled with superstars, young and old, and a defending World Cup team, uh, I, I truly believe New Zealand will come out uh, first in Pool C, probably four wins from four matches going up against Argentina, Namibia, Georgia, and Tonga. Uh, Argentina has been playing well, obviously winning uh, against South Africa in Durban during the rugby championship uh, was a big lift to their program, and I think they'll, uh, they'll be well served by that and uh, coming out of, of Pool C as well. Uh, but but not at the expense of of the All Blacks, who are definitely the class of this tournament and the class of the field overall. And finally, in Pool D, uh, we have some big Six Nations matchups with Ireland and France paired with Italy, uh, Canada, and Romania. Uh, I think it's a it's a toss up here, Ireland or France coming out one two. But those are the two teams that should emerge from the pool. Uh, as an Irish American, I I'll I'll. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say I want Ireland to come out uh, first, but it uh, should be a good tournament for the Irish. And in fact, if they're able to come out one in the number one in the group, their road to the World Cup final, while never easy, uh, becomes a little bit lighter. Um, if these uh, predictions, uh, and I'm going to put these up on the um, uh, uh, sorry, on the on the Western Stand Facebook page, so make sure you're liking and following us there, and you can take a look at these in more depth. If Ireland uh, come out top in group, uh, in Pool D rather, they would get Argentina as a quarterfinal matchup, which is an easily winnable game for them. Um, England would most likely have Scotland in the, in the other quarterfinal, so Ireland and England would play in a semifinal. Frankly, that's a toss-up. Ireland have a very strong team. England will be playing at home, but the Irish always... Uh, like to uh, stick it to the English at home. So they could get through to the World Cup final on the basis of that draw. I think on the top half of the draw, if uh, all things go according to plan, uh, as I've laid them out, in a South Africa-Australia matchup, I think Australia wins, although my heart desperately wants to, to have a Springbok victory come out of that, and New Zealand should get past France in a quarterfinal. New Zealand Australia semi final is really the mother of all battles. A Bledisloe Cup for the right to play for the Rugby World Cup uh, would be a, a a really interesting match to watch. But I think New Zealand come out ahead, as strong as Australia have been. And uh, again, all of this barring injury. But a New Zealand Ireland World Cup final, again, a great match. But I see pretty straightforward. No matter how this works out in in terms of the seeding going into the knockout round, that it'll be a New Zealand defense of their Rugby World Cup victory. In 2011 at home, they will win it uh, to send off Richie McCaw and some of the other great warriors in style and dance the haka uh, in victory in 2015 at Twickenham in October. So all that to play for, all that to watch. I encourage you to to, to uh, take a look at what's happening in the world of rugby over the course of the next month and a half. It will be an absolutely fantastic uh moment for the sport uh, all around the world. So take a look at that. Um, I'm going to wrap this podcast up before we go. I want to take a look at the weekend ahead uh, and get you set for what you can be watching from a uh, sporting perspective. Club football is back on Friday, and I know we're all happy about that. Uh, League un action, uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Girondin de Bordeaux at 11.30. That is currently slated to be on BN Sports en Espanol here in the U.S., Uh, All-time specific here. Uh, La Liga also kicks off with Levante and Sevilla at 11.30. And the Bundesliga, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Hamburger SV also at 11.30. Uh, That'll be on the Fox family of networks. Premier League is back on Saturday. Struggling Chelsea take on Everton at 4.45. That'll be on the NBC Sports Network. Norwich and Bournemouth. Uh, West Bromwich, Albion and Southampton, Arsenal and Stoke, Watford and Swansea all at 7 a.m. But the feature match of the 7 a.m. games, of course, is that one versus two. Man City at Fortress Selhurst taking on Crystal Palace. That match will be on NBC Sports Network and all matches on NBC Sports Live Extra as well. That's at 7 a.m. Saturday morning Pacific time. And then Man United Liverpool uh, will be on the NBC Network at 930 uh, your U.S. televised championship match, if you're looking for that, 4.30 a.m. on BN Sports is Queen's Park Rangers and Nottingham Forest. That should be a good one. Uh, pretty good uh, match in MLS, uh, which is available on MLS Live and Sirius XM FC 85, 7.30 Pacific Time Saturday night, L.A. Galaxy and Montreal Impact. Uh, and then earlier on the Fox Sports Go app, uh, FC Dallas take on New York City FC. That's at 5.30 Pacific. Uh Bundesliga action also on Saturday, 6.30 a.m., Bayern Munich take on Augsburg, Hertha Berlin take on Stuttgart, and then Eintracht Frankfurt take on uh, FC Cologne, that one's at 9.30 on the Fox soccer to go app, other matches as well available uh, on the Fox family of networks. In La Liga, Real Madrid uh, start their Saturday, uh, and La Liga Saturday, 7 a.m. on BN Sports, they take on... Uh, Espanol, and Barcelona and Atletico Madrid at 11.30. That'll be a key one to watch. That'll be on BN Sports at 11.30 on Saturday as well. Serie A, uh, big matchup, 11.45 on BN Sports Connect, and replayed throughout the weekend, Juventus and Kievo. That's again at 11.45 on Saturday. Your Sunday Premier League matches, 5.30 a.m. Pacific, Sunderland and uh, Tottenham Hotspur on the NBC Sports Network, because DeAndre Yedlin, the American defender, is on loan from Tottenham, he will not feature in that match, but should be an interesting one if you're up early. And then uh, Leicester City look to continue their top-of-the-table form when they take on Aston Villa at 8 o'clock, that's on the NBC Sports Network as well. Championship football in England, 4 a.m. on Sunday, Fulham and Blackburn Rovers, that's on BN Sports. Uh, MLS soccer Sunday, ESPN two has the early game, 2 PM Pacific. That's Toronto FC and new England revolution. And, uh, sporting KC, uh, are in the late game at 4 PM on the Fox soccer go app. Uh, league on, uh, Monaco and Gazalek, Agacio, That's at 5 AM on BN sports in Espanol. Uh, that'll be a feature matchup for league gun at the weekend. Uh, Schalkefir and Mainz Funf at 8.30 a.m. on the Fox uh, Soccer to Go App and Fox Sports 1, 8.30 a.m. on Sunday in the Bundesliga. And wrapping things up on Sunday, uh, Athletic and Hetafe at 7 a.m. on BN Sports in Español. And top of the table, Ibar take on Malaga at 11.30. Uh, that'll also be on BN Sports en Español. Wrapping up the weekend in... Premier League action on Monday, Monday Night Football noon here on the West Coast. That's West Ham United and Newcastle United, NBC Sports Network. And in La Liga, Rayo Vallecano and Deportivo La Coruña. That's at 11:30, and that will be on, Be In Sports Connect. Champions League action is back next Tuesday. We'll probably talk about it on next week's podcast, along with a whole lot of other stuff. Feature matches, all of these on the Fox family of networks. Manchester City and Juventus at 11.45. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Malmo, that's on ESPN2 at 11.45. And PSV Eindhoven and Manchester United, 11.45, as well as other matches, again, all on the Fox and ESPN family of networks. My thanks to the WFMU Free Music Project and Lesan Kulot for our theme song. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at The Western Stand. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Western Stand. And look for more updates on our website at westernstand.com. And we'll have more updates throughout the week as football gets back in action and more. But for now, I'm Michael McGarry. This is The View from The Western Stand. Thanks for joining us. See you again next week.